0: Good evening, Good evening. evening. it's good to be here, it's great to be back in Orangefield, and uh, I've been here since since Wednesday now, and you haven't chased me off yet, so I must be doing something right. Um, It's great to be here, and um, I'm just so excited about starting in Orangefield, about being here, Uh, and to Orangefield people, thank you uh, for welcoming me so warmly into your family and into your church, Uh, and to any visitors who are here this evening, you are of course very welcome, and we underline our welcome to you. Uh, We're we're going to turn now to God's Word, and we're reading uh, from uh, Matthew uh, chapter 21, Uh, and of course, today being Palm Sunday, uh, we're looking at uh, one of the passages that talks of the triumphal entry and Jesus at the temple. So uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 21, uh, and it talks about Jesus' entry into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. This is God's Word. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her coat by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them. And he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. On a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They they brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together as we come to God's Word. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are present with us right here, right now. That you are moving amongst us by the power of your Holy Spirit and speaking to us from your living Word. Lord, please give us ears to hear you and hearts to respond to you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In your precious name and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever been going about your business in some town or some city uh, and you've been just going around doing your normal business or you're visiting there and you come across a crowd. You come across a big crowd of people and maybe it becomes apparent to you that, well, they're following someone. They're following someone or that they're gathered around someone. Someone special has come to town. I remember one day when I worked over in Bangor, I I was down the street on my lunch hour and uh, and a big crowd had gathered around and an important visitor. And uh, and they were all standing uh, around on their toes and trying to catch a glimpse of this visitor. And so curiosity got the better of me uh, and I went over as well and, uh, and I, as I came up to the edge of the crowd my question was, who is it? Who is it? And I was informed that Her Majesty the Queen was in town and she'd come to visit Bangor. Uh, and so yes, I joined the crowd and, and I watched and, and, and then somebody else came up uh, uh, to the edge of the crowd and they said to me, who is it? Who is it? And I told them, and, and they too joined us, and, and so it kind of went on like that. And that's kind of what was happening in Jerusalem that day, that day when Jesus came to town. You see, verse 10 of our Bible reading says that when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole town, the whole city, was stirred, and they asked, who is this? Who is this? The crowds were gathering around, and people were asking, who is this? And And then we see people responding in various different ways. Some of them were responding by doing what Jesus had asked them to. Others by laying their cloaks or branches on the road to welcome them. Some responded by shouting his praise, Hosanna. Some came to Jesus. But others were indignant. All people asking, who is this? And then responding in a number of different ways. And I thought this Palm Sunday that As we start on the run-up to Easter, well, we might, in a sense, join the crowd, join on the watching crowd, and simply ask, who is this? And then respond as we ought to. We might just ask this question. Tonight, this, this man we see coming towards us, gentle and riding on a donkey, who is it? Who is this? And what is our response to be to him? And you see, if we don't yet know who this is, then it is my prayer that we will find out tonight. And if we do know who this is, then it is my prayer that we will be reminded of some really important things here tonight. So we bring ourselves up to the edge of that crowd and we peek over and we ask, who is this? And in verse 11 of our reading, the, the crowd answers, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So that's the first thing that we see about Jesus. He is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus is a prophet. And then I suppose, well, we might ask, well, what exactly is a prophet? The Hebrew word used in, in the Old Testament is nave. This literally means spokesperson. Quite simply, a, a person a prophet is someone who has been appointed by God to speak for him, to bring God's word to the world. We see from the Old Testament that a prophet is is God's spokesperson, someone who represents God to the people. This was one of the main ways that God related to his people in Old Testament times. Throughout the Old Testament, you have God appointing prophets, men and women, to speak his word to his people. From Abraham in Genesis right through to to Malachi in the last book of the Old Testament. God spoke through his prophets to encourage and to inspire. to, To teach and to rebuke. To warn of judgment and to call to repentance. He spoke to offer his mercy and his forgiveness. And to reveal his great salvation plans for the world. These prophets preached God's truth and they preached God's grace. Yes, they condemned immorality and hypocrisy on one hand, and uh, and they yet held out the offer of God's love and His forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration on the other. This was the Old Testament prophets, and, and then we have Jesus coming, as it says in John 1, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. For yes, in the Old Testament, God had men and women speak to him, had some grace and some truth from God. But in John 1, Jesus comes full of grace and truth. For, For look, in verse 11, it tells us that this is not just a prophet. This is the prophet. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth. This is Jesus, the prophet to end all prophets. You see, you had the Old Testament prophets, and then you had John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is this kind of link prophet between the Old Testament and Jesus. And he pointed to Jesus, and he said, after me will come one greater, more powerful than I. Oh yes, Jesus had been promised from way back God promised Moses, he said, I will raise up for my people a prophet like you from among the brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. We had all these Old Testament prophets. We had John the Baptist and now we have Jesus. You see, there is this building up and building up until we get to Jesus the prophet, God's perfect spokesperson and most complete revelation of himself. So, Jesus is the prophet, and Jesus does what prophets do. He brings God's word to us. He brings God's word in all its fullness to us. You see, John 1 tells us that Jesus not only brings the word of God, but but that Jesus is the word of God. In the prologue to his gospel, John says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus not only speaks the word of God, he is the word of God. And so when the word of God speaks the word of God, he speaks with complete authority. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5-7. to This is the greatest sermon ever preached. It's the blueprint for the kingdom of God. It's, it's, the, it's the blueprint for the life of the disciple. And at the end of Matthew 7, when when Jesus finished delivering his message, it says that the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not like their teachers of the law. Jesus speaks with authority because Jesus is the real McCoy. Oh yes, there are many false prophets out there As early as Deuteronomy, the Lord had told Moses that that his people would know the true from the false because their words would be authenticated by their actions. And what they said would indeed come to pass. Even as Jesus rides into Jerusalem that day on the donkey, he is fulfilling the prophecy from Zechariah. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. And so as prophet As prophet, Jesus brings the word of God to us and and as his people, we so need to hear that word, don't we? Jesus himself says in Matthew 4, it is written, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to hear the word of the Lord. And how do we hear it today? Well, likewise, it is written. It is written. In here. Sometimes we see in the Old Testament, the word of the Lord came to Jonah or to, and we wonder how. But now we're in no doubt, the word of the Lord, it is written. It is in here. 2 Timothy Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Jesus, the prophet, proclaims the word of God to us now as we read our Bibles, as we hear it preached by his Holy Spirit, whom God has given us. God guides us into all truth and he helps us to hear it, to understand it and apply his word to our lives as we read it and study it and listen to it. And somebody once said to me, Gary, if you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read the Bible out loud. Read the Bible out loud. That's how God speaks to us now. And so Jesus is the be all and end all of the prophets. Well, what is to be our appropriate response to him? Well, in Mark 9, in Mark 9 at the transfiguration, when Jesus and Elijah and Moses, they're up there together on that mountain and heaven breaks into earth and God speaks from the cloud. And God said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Yes, that's to be our response. We're to listen to him, to the son whom God loves. So in the Old Testament, then, if the role of the prophet was to bring God's word to the people, then it was the role of the priest to bring the people to God. The prophet brought God to the people. The priest brings the people to God. This was the second main way that God related to his Old Testament people through his priests. And that's the second role or the second office of Christ that we, that we can draw out from our Bible reading here this evening. Who is this? Jesus is prophet and Jesus is priest. Verses 12 to 15 In our Bible reading it says this, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those who were selling doves. It is written, Jesus said, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You see, in Old Testament times, the temple was the dwelling place of God the Father. And in that place, the priests were called to bring sacrifices, to bring the prayers, and in effect, to bring the people to God. For many centuries, God had ordained a priesthood to to come before him in the tabernacle and then in the temple to bring the sacrifices, the prayers, and the people to him. But look, these priests weren't doing that. They weren't doing that. No, no, the priests had instead allowed greed and corruption to flourish in the temple. Through this wheeling and dealing of the money changers and the extortionate prices that they were charging for the sacrificial animals, the temple was to be a house of prayer, but instead it had become a den of robbers. Until Jesus rocks up, and then overgo the tables and outgo the robbers, as Jesus reclaims the temple as a place of sacrifice and prayer. A place where the people can again meet with God through him. The one true priest. You see in doing what he did that day in the temple we see that Jesus is not just the prophet he is also the priest. In Bible times, in Old Testament times the priest was the one who made the sacrifice before God. He brought the people to God so that they could be reconciled to him. And so that their prayers would be heard by him. From early on, God's, in God's covenant relationship with his people, he established the sacrifice of, of certain animals as an acceptable offering for the forgiveness of sin. So the priest would sacrifice the, the animals to take away the sins of, of the people, uh, to take away that barrier that, that separates sinful humanity from a holy God. Uh, and then he would offer the prayers of the, the restored and the re- reconciled people to Almighty God. From, from the book of Exodus we see that this, a substitutionary animal was to be slaughtered as a sin offering. The life of the animal would be offered in place of the life of the sinner. But in the the temple was this constant slaughtering of animals by the priests in an effort to take away the sins of the Israelites and to reconcile them to God. It was constant. The people would buy a lamb or a dove. They would place their hands on it. They would confess their sins over it. And then the priests would kill the animal in their place for their sins. That was how it worked. And it had to be done over and over and over again. These sacrificial animals, they only ever temporarily took away the sin as they were offered up by the priests. But they pointed forward to the priest, the priest, Jesus. They pointed forward to him, the priest who would one day actually become the sacrifice, become the sacrificial lamb, the spotless lamb of God who would offer himself up and die for the sins of the world. For your sins and mine. Because that is where this priest is headed as he rides into Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday. That's where he's headed. He's on his way to the cross as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. So that we might be reconciled with God. So that we might be restored. 1 Peter 3 says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us... To God. Jesus is priest and he brings us to God. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, he writes, at the cross God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What a day. What an event. At the cross God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And I think how many ever Good Fridays and how many ever Easters we live through. We can't get our heads around that one completely. Let me encourage you to come along to the events that are on here at Orangefield this week as we just learn a little bit more about this. But at the cross, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And because he is the perfect lamb of God, dying for sin once for all, he puts an end to the sacrificial system. He puts an end to the temple worship. And then he takes up his role as the eternal high priest before the Father, forever granting us, his people, complete forgiveness. Forever granting us, his people, access, continual access to God in all places and at all times. the writer of the book of Hebrews says this. He says, such a high priest meets our need. Meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other priests. He does not need to offer sacrifices day by day. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself and what is to be our response to this great high priest and all that he has done for us? Well, the writer to the Hebrews also gives us the answer in Hebrews 4. He says, therefore, therefore, because of all Jesus has done for us, therefore, therefore, since we have such a great high priest, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. You see, now we have complete access to God the Father through God the Son. And when we come to him to confess our sin, to bring our prayers of petition or our prayers of thanksgiving, God sees Jesus, our perfect sacrifice. He hears Jesus' intercession for us. He forgives our sins and he hears our prayers. Because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, we are reconciled forever. We are reconciled forever to the Father and we have this continual access to him. Jesus is our great high priest, able to rescue from sin, presenting our prayers to the Father, interceding for us before the throne of God above. Interceding for us before the throne of God above, before the God who already loves us so much that he sent his one and only Son To die and rise again for us. And thirdly and lastly and more briefly. Who is this? Jesus is prophet. Jesus is priest. And thirdly, Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Verse 5. See your king comes to you. You see we see God relating to his people in the Old Testament in three ways through his prophets, through his priests, and through his kings. He rules over his people through, for instance, King Saul, uh, King David, King Solomon. And, And now comes King Jesus, the greatest of the kings, the King of kings, King Jesus. But look, see him. See him coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. He doesn't look much like a king. Sure, he doesn't. He's a strange sort of a king, isn't he? You see, he wouldn't remind you of one of those great Old Testament warrior kings, would he? No, no, and he, and he doesn't look anything like one of those splendid Roman emperors either. Oh yes, these these Jerusalemites—they've seen a king arrive in town before. But not like this. No, no. When one of the Roman kings rules in the town, he doesn't come in on a donkey. No, he arrives on a great war horse or a golden chariot, full of pride and with lots of pomp and fanfare. But this king, this king enters Jerusalem gentle and riding on a donkey. Oh, he's a king all right. He's a king all right. Even at his birth, when those wise men from the east came looking, they came looking for the one who is born to be king. And Herod feared him even then and and tried to have him killed even then. And when they did get around to crucifying Jesus, to kneeling him on that cross, they put a sign above him, which read, The king of the Jews, the king. Oh, he's the king, all right. But this king, King Jesus, he's different. He's different because he's the servant king. He's the servant king. He tells us in Matthew 20, he says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the servant king. See him lowly riding on a donkey. And later in the week, see him stooping to wash his disciples' dirty feet. And see him humbling himself even to death on a cross. Jesus is king, but Jesus rules over us with humility as the servant king. And look, verse 5, your king comes to you. I love this. Our king comes to us. You see, every man-made religion says we have to try to work our way up to him. We have to try and work our way up to God. But the gospel says, no, no, no. See, your king comes to you. He comes to us. We don't need to work our way up to him. For we can't. No, no, no. Our king comes to us and he brings the kingdom and all its blessings down to us. He is, of course, king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one through whom all things were made, the one who sustains all things, and the one who will one day return in glory to judge the living and the dead. He is the king of glory, the king of heaven and earth. And yet... And yet he came from heaven to earth as servant king. He came from heaven to earth so that we could one day go from earth to heaven. He came from heaven to earth so that we could one day go from earth to heaven. He, He comes to us and as he enters Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, he's on his way to accomplishing everything necessary for us to one day go to him to be in the fullness of his glory and grace forever. And so King Jesus, the servant king, what is to be our response to him? In Matthew 16, he tells us simply, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. That's always Jesus' call as he meets with people. Follow me. On the shores of Galilee, on the streets of Jerusalem, in the churches of East Belfast. Follow me. Follow me. So, in, in conclusion, this evening, as, as we stand on the edge of the crowd this Palm Sunday, And as we ask, who is this? We get our answers here, don't we? Throughout thousands of years of Old Testament times, God had related to his people through these three offices or roles of prophet, priest, and king. This man coming to us gently and riding on a donkey is no less than the combination of all three. He is the perfect eternal prophet, priest, and king. And what excites me is that he is our he is our eternal prophet, priest and king. That's who he is. That's who he is and that's who we serve. And Jesus alone brings God's word to us and he alone brings us to God. And he alone rules over us with humility as the servant king. And how are we to respond to him and to all that he has done and to all that he continues to do for us? Well, with grateful hearts, we listen to him. We approach the throne of grace with confidence and we follow him all the days of our lives and then even forevermore and all to the glory of God. Shall we pray for a moment? As surely as he came to the people of Jerusalem that first Palm Sunday, so by his Holy Spirit and his living word, Jesus has come to us here tonight. And if we've we've never let Jesus into our lives before, then, then tonight let us spread out the palm branches and let us welcome him in, into our hearts, our minds, our lives. Welcome him in to be our prophet, our priest, and our king as we listen to him, as we approach the throne of grace with confidence, and as we dedicate our lives to following him. Let's just take a moment to reflect in the silence and in God's presence on what he has been saying to us here this evening and to respond to him as he would want us to. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence with us here tonight for all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do for us. Lord, we give you all our thanks and praise for you alone are worthy. As we continue to respond to you, please fill us with your Holy Spirit, your grace and your truth and let us go from this place remaining open to your word, aware of your presence and living our lives in your service. In your name. And for your glory alone, we pray. Amen. Amen.